Welcome, everybody, to the High on the Hogs preview podcast. This is Steve, your host, and joining me, as always, every week, my buddy Tyler Davis. Tyler, how you doing today? What is up, my man? I'm pumped. Arkansas got a second victory in only four games. I mean, third victory, if you really want to be technical about it. And all of a sudden, the Razorbacks are America's darling. I mean, people are calling them America's team. Uh, Coach Pittman is getting a spot on Scott Van Pelt on ESPN. I mean... Who would have who would have seen this coming when the season started? Not, definitely not me. No, not at all. And and I'm I'm I am 100% on board with everything but the America's team moniker and as a person that hates the Dallas Cowboys, <laughs> I just can't True. do it. <laughs> and it just seems too convenient since we're like so closely tied to the Cowboys like no, because America's team has sucked for a long time. I was about to say, that, that phrase might be cursed. I don't exactly. know. I mean, stay away from that. Yes, that's my thought. I'm like, stay away. Like, I told Andy, Andy and I talked about that a little bit on the podcast yesterday, and uh, we were talking about the Cowboys situation and everything going on down there. I'm like, when you hear some of the stuff coming out, like the revolt of some of the players, I'm like, boy, this just sounds <laughs> way too familiar. I don't want any piece of that. So let's just – we can figure out a different moniker. Let's just be the Hogs because it's we're the only ones anyway. So, <laughs> America, see if I can pass on. But you're right, man. The the national notoriety that Arkansas is getting right now, um, I don't know that a a two and two football team has ever gotten this much love in pub and pub in the first four weeks of a season that I can remember. No, definitely not. And 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 I think it's more about the way that those victories have come and just the fact that. Nobody thought Arkansas was going to be anything this year. I mean, there were a lot of people who didn't think they would win a game. Um, they've shown such a tough, hard-nosed physicality to them and defensive-mindedness where they're taking the ball away left and right. They have a guy in Sam Pittman who's arguably, I mean, I would say he's probably the most most humble, most genuine head football coach in Power 5 football that I've ever seen. How can you not love the guy? So people have just sort of gravitated towards Arkansas and even though they're only two and two, I mean they're one of pe- people's favorite teams in the SEC so far this year. Yeah, who was it? Was it Peter Burns that tweeted out today? Was like, I hate the fact that there's no Razorback football this weekend because I know, oh, man. <laughs> so yeah, it's crazy. I mean the the world loves Arkansas right now, and and I mean, and when you've got even got Lane Kiffin tweeting after the game, you know, support towards our players and and, and saying <laughs> some of the things he said. You know, joking or, or not, I mean, that's you just can't beat it. It's been so much fun just to uh, just to be able to to watch a winning program, and it's just not even a winning program, just a team that actually goes out and and fights and battles and looks more physical than another team. I had a buddy of mine who who messaged me the other day. He said, "Isn't it great being able to do your podcast for a, a, about a team that's winning?" It's like, yes, finally. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think everyone that probably in Arkansas media is, has just had sort of a sense of relief and joy to be able to cover a team that's had some positivity. I know that I only covered the team for a year with, with 24-7 sports and those guys, but it was just miserable week after week having to come up with some some semblance of positivity. Basically, every week, Rakeem Boyd had another good game, but the Hogs lost by 40. Yeah. It's not like that anymore. They have they have things to talk about. They have positive things to speak about and report on. And 
and everybody's in a much better mood across the state of Arkansas. You know, and it's hard too because you go through two different scenarios of or two different types of people too. Because you know, last year we dealt with that to some extent where we would get kind of bashed for being negative, and I never felt like that I was overly negative in terms of you know the players or what was going on, but you just looked at situations and it was like, this is bad. Like, this is just bad. And, and we would catch grief for it, but I'm like, what else are you going to say at this point? You you can't sugarcoat it. I mean, you can't, there's nothing more you can say. And so, yeah, it's, it is, it's, it's amazing to be able to have these conversations right now and, and the confidence and, and the fact that on social media, there's no more like uh, so. Twitter has been a cesspool. It, Twitter is always a cesspool, but Twitter has been a cesspool <laughs> of like Razorback fans just going at it, battling like Chad Morris, Brett Bielema, whoever you support, which player you support. If you report, support the players, the coach, it's just been a cesspool. Like everybody's hated each other, and like over the last two weeks, it's been so much fun to see all these Arkansas fans going after other fan bases instead of each other. It's great. Exactly. I mean. I- I think you could argue that it hasn't gotten any less toxic, but maybe the toxicity's just shifted from each other, like you said, onto other teams and other fan bases. I mean, Razorback fans are pretty much feeling themselves so far. I don't, I haven't seen anybody get necessarily too far ahead where we want Bama, we're going to beat Bama, we're going to win out, anything like that. But when you go that long without an SEC victory and you're that bad, you're the laughing stock of the conference, so all of a sudden. Like I said, you're a media darling. I mean, people want to talk about you. People want to watch you play. You can't help but but kind of feel yourself and feel like, hey, we're a good team. Like, look at us. Look over here. Give us this recognition. And like you said, on Twitter, it's been awesome to see all the the memes and the jokes. And even Arkansas's own media team, as far as their their account, has has tweeted out some pretty hilarious stuff trolling the opposing coaches after victories, especially with, with Mike Leach and Lane Kiffin. Yeah, they they've been fantastic. The the lane train or the, the Thomas the train crashing into the ditch and I died. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> Just beautiful stuff. So yeah, it's it's been awesome. Let's get into this old miss game real quick. I've probably said as much as I need to say about it, so I'll let you uh give some give some of this uh give some love here for Arkansas and talk about this as well. But you know, obviously Arkansas played, you know, played well offensively. We could have played a lot better, but the defense continues to be the story for this Razorback team. Exactly. I mean, defense is the name of the game, and the name of the game is defense. They pr- they pretty much derailed the, the Lane train coming in. I know into that game, Ole Miss and, and Lane Kiffin and that offensive attack were the talk of the nation as far as being able to put up all those yards and all those points on Alabama. They came into the game with the number two overall offense, the number four passing offense, averaging thirty, uh, excuse me, three hundred and eighty yards per game. And, and Arkansas, while it hasn't necessarily been a totally shut down defense where they're not giving up any yards. It's been a little bit of bend, but don't break, but they're just so opportunistic and timely. I mean, six interceptions corral came into that game. Matt corral, the Ole Miss quarterback with one interception on the year. And they've totally destroyed his stats for the rest of the season. He now has seven interceptions. Um, he held them to 200 yards. I mean, they were all over the place for seven total turnovers. Grant Morgan playing out there with one arm, had 19 tackles, three tackles for loss. Hogs had two pick sixes. Um, so, like you said, I mean, and, and I, I can't even leave this guy out. Hudson Clark, I mean, my God, where did this guy come from? From a walk-on to three interceptions, I mean, just those three picks. Now, he's already tied to the lead for the NCAA for most interceptions on the year. It's just been one surprise after another on Barry Odom's defense, and they completely – 
carried this team to a victory. Um, and I know, like you mentioned earlier, as far as the offense, it was the Traylon Burke show. I mean, 11 catches, 137 yards, and a touchdown. He was also the second leading rusher with 46 yards. He had they used him a lot in the in the quick bubble screen RPO game. He had a big 55 yard catch to set up that first touchdown, and then on the last big offensive touchdown drive, he had that 19 yard catch. And then how can you not talk about the incredible one handed toe tapper that he had in the corner of the end zone, which was number one on Sports Center top ten. So he basically carried the offense. They made plays and they scored points when they needed to. Uh, but overall, it was the defense that was the story of the day, and I, they continue to be phenomenal. Well, and you talk about that 55-yard, uh, the 55-yard throw, and I'm, I was going to try to pull it up here in front of me, but um, where is that at? But there we go. So, you know, you talk about the 55-yard pass to Burks. It was equally impressive when you think about how quickly he rounded that corner and, and just put guys behind him. I mean, Ole Miss obviously finally had a guy that uh, had an angle and was able to stop him. But, you know, that was, you know, a drive for Arkansas that, you know, they converted a fourth down. Um, well, let's see. You know, they had the roughing the kicker, which helped them, you know, push the, yeah. push the you know, move the, the drive ahead. And so, you know, for you know, we talked coming into this game offensively, you know, we wanted to see Arkansas run the ball. That was going to be a big key, which, you know, they really didn't do overly well, 150 yards rushing. Um, but something that, that, you know, stood out to me when I was going over this before, you know, while Arkansas did struggle offensively, they only had three three and outs in the whole game plus the two turnovers. So you have five extremely empty possessions when you think of it that way. But, you know, the defense was able to battle back. But, you know, all in all, the offense, while it lacked a lot of rhythm, it lacked some consistency, you know, it did enough to semi-stay in the game or at least help, help the defense keep us in the game. Um, they definitely didn't do anything to win the game for Arkansas. Um, but you're right, Traylon Burks was the story on the offensive side of the ball, and now we just have to hope for the next two weeks that they figure out this running game. Yeah, it, it seemed that they tried to use that, that short, horizontal passing game more, especially with Burks, to kind of supplement the fact that the running game just has yet to take off at all. I mean, um, you get Rakeem Boyd, Bur- excuse me, Rakeem Boyd back. Um, they did have the first rushing touchdown of the year, but, but Boyd, um, he, he struggled. Even Traylon Smith, who had the most success, had 15 carries for 54 yards. Um, I just I think it all goes back to just not being able to run block very well yet. They're not opening up a lot of holes, and we'll get into a lot of this further on down the line. But going into that game, Ole Miss was giving up over 300 yards rushing a game. They were the worst rushing defense in the country, and Arkansas still just could not find a way to run the ball. Just a total lack of, of, of a red game. But despite that, like you said, they, they did what they could, and it goes back to being opportunistic and timely. Just wanted to point out a few examples that, that go along with that. Um, they, they had that big fourth down stop at the beginning with the fumble recovery by Catalan that turned into the first touchdown drive. And then they turned the first interception from Hudson Clark into a field goal, so they converted it into points, which went straight into a pick six on the next drive where they went up 17 to nothing. And then even later in the game, when, when Ole Miss scored and, and started to get some things going and, and Felipe Franks fumbled over on the sideline, I'm sure Razorback fans were thinking, uh-oh, here we go. Here comes the comeback. And then immediately, the next play, Greg, Bo- Greg Brooks gets the pick. Uh, and then later, the drive, Franks gave it back with an interception. And then Hudson Clark got it right back with the pick later in the game. So, And later, um, Ole Miss pulled within five, and Arkansas had to punt. And it was one of those situations where we've seen this story before. Arkansas is about to give up a, a game-losing drive at the very end. And Morgan comes in clutch with the pick six, the game-clinching interception. 
So they were just, they were timely. They were opportunistic. They took advantage uh, of the things that Ole Miss gave them. And that ultimately is what, what led to the victory. So seven turnovers and without looking at anything else, Arkansas wins the game by 12 points. If Arkansas wins this game by 19 points and you don't know anything else other than seven turnovers, do you think Arkansas dominates this game? Like if you're just looking at it from the outside looking in? Say that again? If Arkansas ends up winning this game, okay, so I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate with the with right. the, lat, with the, with the with you know the, the knee at the end of the game, which I had I'm, I loved. I think it was great. But, <laughs> yeah. but if from a yeah. score, just from a Borderline scoreboard. Borderline erotic. Exactly. But just from a scoreboard <laughs> perspective, if you're just cruising through the scoreboard, you didn't really pay any attention to this game, and, and you see seven interceptions and a 12-point win, you're kind of thinking, wow, Arkansas, what happened? You, know, you got the win, but should you – but, I mean, if Arkansas wins this 40-21, to 21, is your perception different? I think it is. Yeah, I mean, I think 40 to 21 obviously looks more like a domination, and I don't think that's something that people are taking into consideration. Um, but also, I mean, a couple of those interceptions were, were at the end of the game, a couple of those turnovers when Arkansas was probably still going to win. So you look at seven turnovers, that's a, l- a little bit vague as well. You would think if you had seven turnovers, you might win by 20 or 30. Um, right. and, and you could have, like you said. So. Yeah, I mean, I think that if you if you had punched that final score in, which was pretty much meaningless, people might might have a different perspective, especially those that didn't watch the game. But either way, I, I think you can be satisfied with the victory that Arkansas came out with. Oh, no, without a doubt, no doubt at all. I mean, uh, any win this year, I was reading it was I started when I was prepping. I, I, if you just search Arkansas Razorbacks on Google and hit the news tab, it's like story after story after story, and it's pretty awesome, and it's all great stuff. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it was it's been great to see all of that, and and I think that people, you know, like you said, you see the thirty three twenty one game, um, you know, you, you, we we wish the offense would have done a little more, um, but uh, you know, obviously a win is a win at this point because in some of those stories it was like who had Arkansas with more than one win, you know, I mean, not yeah. many people are going to raise their <laughs> yeah. hands there, so. <laughs> yeah, a win in this game is big, and and again, Ole Miss is a rival, so you want to win that game anyway. You've won the state of Mississippi. Now let's go win the state of Texas. So, who do you have as your okay offensive? I don't even think there's going to be a question. I don't even know that I need to ask this question, but I'll ask it. Yeah, uh, offensive player of the game. Yeah, uh, obviously Traylon Burks. I mean, <laughs> he, he continues to he, he's he's the by far the most talented player on Arkansas's offense. He had another hundred yard effort. Um, after somehow not having a single one last year. Um, he had 15 touches, and he probably needs even more. He's a mismatch every single week. And they even said he was probably about 80%. And you could you could kind of tell on a couple of plays he wasn't quite at top gear. Uh, but he should be fully healthy against A&M. And if they can continue to find a way to get him the ball in space and scheme up things for him, I mean, he's just going to be an issue for every single defense that they face. Yeah, the only time I saw him look 80%, to be honest, was when he dropped that pass. Other than that, he looked, he looked 100% <laughs> to me. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, his, his 80% <laughs> is, is, is better than most. Yeah, right. <laughs> no doubt. All right, defensively. So, I'll go ahead and give mine since I gave it last night. And I'm just going to give mine as I continue my apology toward a Grant Morgan and Arkansas's linebackers, um, you know, Grant Morgan all day. I mean, you've got options now. There's a lot of options yeah. on the defensive side, I think. Um, you know, I know Andy went with Hudson Clark, which is an, that's that's a great choice as well. Um, but for me, this week, I mean, you you potentially don't win. You, I don't know that you win the game at all without Grant Morgan and his production. I mean, obviously the pick six. He, he almost had an interception earlier. If he had two good arms, he would have had another interception in this game. So, I mean, at 19 tackles, he had, you know, pass deflection, he had a sack. I mean, he was all over the place. So, Grant Morgan's my guy this week. 
Yeah, uh, unfortunately, I'm going to agree with you on that and go with the one-armed bandit as well. Um, <laughs> I don't know what has gotten into him, or maybe we just totally underestimated him. But like you said, I mean, I think apology tour is completely accurate there. Uh, I gave him a ton of flack before the season. I didn't think that he had the athleticism or the speed to really hang as an SEC starting linebacker, but he's proven the exact opposite. And he, in fact, he's, he's proven that maybe he's even elite at that position. I mean, he's, he's tops in the nation in, in tackles per game, second in total tackles just because the other guys played one more game than he has. And he was phenomenal on Saturday and a large part in, in the reason that they won that game. Yeah, I mean, it, it's unbelievable to watch him play. I mean, it's just what he what he's been able to do. And, I mean, you think about it this week, a big reason why I picked, uh, you know, why I picked the, this week like I did and I took Ole Miss to win this game was because of the linebacker situation without yeah, Michael Poole. Yeah. Really concerned me. One question before we move on that I wanted to ask, uh, that I wanted to get your, your thoughts on. Are you surprised that Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss didn't go to John Rice Plumley? I, I honestly am. I mean, it's one of those things where they say, like, what, what's the definition of insanity doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result? I mean, for whatever reason, Matt Corral just did not have it. I, I don't want to take any credit away from, from Arkansas's defensive scheme and, and their effort and the way they played, but he made some really poor throws, threw a lot of balls into coverage. Um, and, and you mean they kept going over to Kiffin on the sideline, and he had his hands on his knees, his hands over his face. I was surprised that at some point he didn't decide to say, let's try something different. And, and it's even even more so because last year, I mean, Plumlee was their main quarterback. He kind of overtook Corral and, and took over that position. He's got – he can do some things with his legs. So, yeah, I'm with you. I don't know why they didn't at least try to do something different when it was obvious that Matt Corral just did not have it. I just think, I mean, it, 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 like it really surprising to me just because, again, the one concern that I, uh, I think I know I had, and I think most every any Razorback fans that were paying attention had, it was linebacker. And I mean, for even if you even if you really 100% believe that Grant Morgan is as good as he's suddenly become, and I mean, there's no reason not to, he's one arm. And, and there's yeah. no one else there with him. You've got bumper pool out of the game. Um, you know, I mean, obviously Levi Draper is not going to be, you know, he's not going to get any play in time now that he's had surgery. Uh, you know, you've got Hayden Henry out there doing everything he can. And he looked really good <laughs> in this game as well. He did. Yeah, but, he did. But I mean, you think about it and, and for as good as those guys are, I don't believe either one of them would have been quick enough to be able to spy and hang with a guy like John Rice Plumley. I'm really surprised that, it, like you said, at least they didn't try it once or twice and see if, it, if nothing else got them moving down the field a little bit because, you know, they, they hated having to take all this underneath passing. They wanted to go deep. The winds were a big issue. Obviously, the first Hudson Clark uh, interception was aided by the wind, the fact he was trying to throw that ball into the wind. And, and so – I mean, I am. I'm surprised that Ole Miss didn't try to really force the ground game with Plumlee and, and, and Snoop and those guys. And and at the end of the day, thankfully they didn't. And who knows, Arkansas probably would have had a plan for that too, as good as Barry Odom's been. Yeah, true. I mean, I tell you what, if I'm playing NCAA football or Madden on Xbox and I and I have a quarterback that's throwing four or five picks, he's getting yanked. Yeah. So, <laughs> I don't know. Kiffin, he needs to have a quicker trigger than that, and I'm sure that he – if they come out this next week against, uh, I believe it's Auburn that they play, and oh, yeah. he throws a pick or two, I bet he does make a change. But, yeah, I mean, uh, that's a decision I would have made. But, obviously, I'm not Lane Kiffin. I'm not paid millions of dollars to coach football. So, 
I guess you just got to trust what, what he went with, and, and it, did, it didn't work out in this case. Yeah, and, and, you know, thankfully we've had some coaches have to question their decision-making after playing Arkansas. You know, you had Mike Leach right. up there questioning why he didn't kick field goals, and now you got you got Lane Kiffin questioning why he didn't put John Rice Plumley and try something different. So, hey, it, again, it's <laughs> awesome to be a Razorback fan right now and actually be able to confuse and, and, and fluster people because we're good enough to do it. It is. Anytime you can send a team kind of questioning themselves and going back to the drawing board, you had a successful performance. All right, so a little different week, obviously. We, we normally preview, but uh, with no game to preview this week, we wanted to come out and give you a little bi-week season recap and, and kind of what we think on, on who's played the best on both sides of the ball and, and thoughts uh, on this team based on what the preseason expectations are. So I'm going to let you start this, and I want to actually start with – Thoughts on this team based on the preseason expectations and where what your thoughts are right now? Right. I mean, long story short, they've far surpassed them. I mean, coming into the year, I, I thought that they might could win two or three wins, but even even in two or three games, but even in the back of my mind, I thought uh, maybe that's wishful thinking. I mean, they hadn't won a single SEC game in the past two years. Uh, but as far as the defense, I didn't expect them to be anywhere near they've been. I've honest, I'm honestly shocked at, at the product they put on the field. They were the worst in Power 5, and now they may be the second-best defense in the SEC. And I still can't believe I'm even saving, saying that. I mean, as a whole unit, they seem to be completely bought in. They're playing hard. They're giving complete effort. And they have some swagger. And, and, and I will say, as far as the offense, maybe I thought they might be a little bit more explosive. I am disappointed. And we'll get into this in the running game, the way that's gone. Um, but but I don't want to harp too much on that, just because they're, they're, the team as a whole is much further than what I ever thought or ever dreamed that they could be. They're getting national attention, like we said. Two people are calling them the surprise team in the SEC, America's team. They're getting spots on ESPN and Game Day and SEC Nation. And and I, I personally, I'm just so much more excited for the, the trajectory of the future of the program going forward. Than I, than I ever was for any split second of the past two seasons. I know in year two that, that Chad said it wasn't an overnight fix. In year two, he said that. It wasn't an overnight fix. Yeah. Uh, I guess he was wrong. Um, it, he, they seem to have fixed it at least somewhat over overnight, and then they're back on the right track. And, and I couldn't be any more thrilled with, with what I've seen from the team so far. Yeah, so not giving grades yet, but I guess the only, really here the best way that I can put it is – I hope someone is building that Sam Pittman statue that I've been talking about all season. <laughs> yeah. Because I think I made that comment. If this team can get, you know, if this team would have got to six wins in a normal season, build Sam Pittman a statue. And I think I'd have to go back, but I think I said if this team wins four or five games, build the man a statue. And, and, and you know, obviously in Hog fans' hearts and heads and across the nation as well, this team's already at three. On the actual official scoreboard, they're at two. And, yeah, somebody better start building that statue because I think four or five wins is, is darn call, is something that's gonna it could happen for this Razorback team. So, um, man, just I'm I don't know that I can expound any more on that on what you said. Uh, this team is just it's just, it's just different. It, it's so much different. I yeah. made this I made this point about the defense. You know, we've got names on the defense. Uh, some guys, you know, Jalen Catalan. People know who I mean. They really know who it is now. But if you followed recruiting, you knew who Catalan was. You know, people know who Traylon Burks is, but you know, there's just not a lot of big-time names when you start talking on the defensive side of the ball. 
and, and and it's just dudes being dudes. I mean, it's Grant Morgan's yeah. being playing with all heart in the world. It's a walk on who's leading the the SEC in interceptions. I mean, it's it just doesn't make any sense that this team is as good as it is on defense. And, and you know, I, I want to. I think uh, I won't jump ahead. But I, I, and when you when you think about just how good this team is and how good the defense is, it really is pretty unbelievable. And, and considering where they came from. And then, you know, I'm with you on the offensive side of the ball. I thought we would be a little more explosive. But I gave my thoughts a little bit on this on the on the pod with Andy. I don't I don't think I'm overly surprised. Um, you know, just because of the lack of time that these teams had mm-hmm. to prepare, but I mean, you know, I, if you ask me right now who I thought would be the better unit, I would definitely would not have picked the defense. So, no, no. Yeah. I mean, a historically bad defense. We've talked about that over the last couple of years to, to now as almost a historic turnaround in terms of what you see this defense doing. So yeah, from my perspective, you know, I don't know that I can say much different than what you said, but this defense is, is really, really good. This team is just far exceeded any expectations. You could end the season right now and I'd be completely ecstatic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I just kind of want to piggyback, not to have a bad Razorback pun there, off of something that you said. Um, just as far as as some of the the, the lesser known names that, that Arkansas has out there, Arkansas traditionally is kind of just one of those blue collar underdog underhog, you might say, just as, even as a state. And so I, I just feel like this team just perfectly encapsulates that as far as some of the guys that they have multiple guys that either are walk-ons or, or are currently they either were, or they are now. I mean, as far as Grant Morgan, Hudson Clark, Blake Kern, yep. Tyson Morris, Simeon Blair. And, and I even think, I even think of, I know somebody I saw, I heard, I think it was on the radio or something like that. I was listening and Sam Pittman kind of fits that mold. I mean, Sam Pittman wasn't even Arkansas's first choice. I mean, I think everybody would admit that. And when he was hired, I mean, everybody bashed it nationally. Most people even locally bashed it. They didn't think it was a great hire. He was never a head coach before. He has no experience. He's an offensive line coach. But again, I mean, he's just that underdog, just go to work, blue collar, gritty, just be humble and do your job and produce. And, and, and that's just completely rubbed off on the rest of this roster. And he hasn't had to have talent. I mean, obviously, he, there's more talent on the team than what showed when Chad was here. I think that's pretty obvious to everyone. But even the guys that they've had to play it, as far as depth and freshmen and walk-ons and all that, they believe that they have talent. And they believe in Sam Pittman. They believe in Arkansas. They want to be Razorbacks. And they just all bought into that mentality. And that's why we've seen such a, such a 180 in this team so far this year. And you make a really good point. And when you think about it, and <laughs> I don't know, maybe this is funny. It's funny to me. But when you think about how this team kind of – one thing this team is really good at is, is, is it's taking on the mentality of their head coach. So yeah. the past two years, they've taken on the loser mentality of their head coach. <laughs> and so now you've got True. a guy – who comes in and you made all the you made great points when you talk about the walk-ons and the guys from that kind of have come from nowhere and, and that's what Arkansas has been historically is you you know sure we can recruit a few high-level guys but typically it's it's guys that that we're more physical we're going to outwork you you know we may not have the most talent but you're you're going to know you played the Arkansas Razorbacks when the game is over and and so you have guys that were counted out 
I mean, this is a football team of guys that everyone counted out. Oh, well, Chad Moore shouldn't have been fired. He, he didn't have enough time to build his team, even though Arkansas fans knew what the mess was. You know, we knew what the issues were. But everybody had counted this team out. I mean, even Arkansas fans had counted Everybody, we won game this year. We'll be ecstatic. But then you, yeah. And then you hire a guy, and I'm not going to say Sam Pitt was counted out. He's a highly respected offensive line coach. But over his career, you know, he was – yeah, he was never a, a high-level, you know, overly successful college football player. He, you know, he doesn't have all those accolades of being this guy that's just done amazing things as a head coach or even an assistant coach. It's just, oh, that dude's a great offensive lineman. He says, yes, sir, and, yeah. and, he, and the kids love him. <laughs> that's, that, that was all you knew about Sam Pittman because the world had cast him away as just this big, goofy offensive line coach, and he takes over this team that's – Basically, the world had cast away, the world of college football had cast away, and they're winners now. And they've taken on that mentality of a guy, a hard-nosed guy, a humble guy that just wants to come out, and, and, and he wants what's best for these kids. or these, I say kids, these, these players, these athletes, he wants the best for them. And, and that's what's showing on the field is that he's, just, he's giving them their best, he's giving them his best, and they're giving it right back. Yeah, totally agree. Couldn't, couldn't, honestly couldn't have that any better myself I'm just I find myself more and more and more proud to have someone like Sam Pittman be the head coach of, of, of the Razorback football team and and I know we've we've had winning teams with with guys like Bobby Petrino but when you have someone with with the integrity and the character and the humility of a guy like Sam Pittman it honestly makes winning that much more enjoyable because you're rooting for a person like that I mean, he wants to be here. He loves this state and this program, and, and, and he'll do anything it takes to bring it back to respectability, and he's already done that. So when you have a guy like that, it makes it so much more enjoyable, and, and you just want to celebrate it even more um, when you do get a victory with a head coach like Sam Pittman. For sure. So MVPs on both sides of the ball. I guess I, I put you on the hot seat to start this conversation, so I'll jump into this one. So MVPs on – Okay, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to the offensive side of the ball first. I, th- I think. Yeah, I'm gonna go. Let's go offense first. So on the offensive side of the ball, for me, I, I've <laughs> gone back and forth because it's so hard. Because no one's been consistently. I good. know. And so it's like, to me, it's it's hard. I mean, I want to say Traylon Burks because he's had a good start to the season. He's done well. He's what has he got? Two touchdowns, I think, now on the season. Um, you know. But for me, even though he hasn't played exceptionally well, Felipe Franks is the MVP of this team offensively. Oh, come on. No, we come didn't on. do it again, did we? <laughs> we, did it. we did it again. We did it again. I, I it's just, okay. I find it hard not to just because of how bad the quarterback position has been exactly. over the last few years. Exactly. And it's, yeah. if anything, it's just that calming, consistent piece. You know, we've talked about it. You know, he – you know, the Georgia game is what it is. The, you know, the Mississippi State game, he didn't, he didn't do anything to hurt us. You know, in the Auburn game, we thought he played really well. And then, you know, in this last game, he had a couple of mistakes. You know, the, the one, the fumble that, uh, you know, it was just a, it was a guy trying to do too much in that situation, um, you know, and not realizing what was coming behind him. And then I think the interception was on the offensive line more than it was on him. And, and so – I think Felipe's just been – I mean, he's been that calming piece at a position that touches the ball every single play that Arkansas's not had in, in at least two years. 
Yeah, totally agree. I mean, sometimes I think that you go in here and you read my notes before we do these podcasts, <laughs> but uh, that's exactly what I said. I mean, he, he provides a calming experience presence in the backfield, and, and he hasn't been perfect, but he's been far better than anything that we've seen in the last few seasons, and that's, that really makes all the difference. I mean, he has 974 yards and, and eight touchdowns. There wasn't a single quarterback that threw more, for more than seven touchdowns in all of last season, and that was Starkle. So he already has more touchdowns than any QB last year. He's got a ton of arm talent. He can make all the throws. He's got serviceable mobility to be able to keep a play alive. And, and he, he pretty much kept the offense afloat without Burks and Boyd there for a little bit with the help of Traylon Smith against Auburn and MSU. But, but like you said, I mean, he's just, he's not, he hasn't been necessarily elite in the SEC, but he's been, been good enough to score points and he's been much better than Arkansas has had lately. I mean, in a while. All right, so I'm going to let you have the defensive side first, and maybe we won't be the same on this one. Because got we've got a lot of options on defense. Yeah, I mean, it's possible we could pick. I, I don't know. I don't want to talk too long on this because we've already talked about this guy, but I'm just going with Grant Morgan again. Um, I think he's kind of been that, that unsung vocal leader in the middle of the defense. 52 tackles, which is second nationally. Three pass breakups. That's huge pick six. 13 tackles a game, which is the best in the country. He's tough. I mean, he's playing with one arm, basically. He's a smart player. He gets everybody lined up. And, and as we mentioned before, with a lot of these guys, and Sam Pittman has said this before, but he, he just, he's Arkansas. He represents Arkansas perfectly. Nobody thought he was going to be able to do anything like what he's done so far. I mean, most people were really surprised, and, and I would even say somewhat disappointed when they found out not only was he starting, but he's a captain. And it's like, what are we doing here? But He's proven everybody wrong up to this point, and, and Arkansas wouldn't be two and two, should be three and one, but they wouldn't be there without without his effort. So I agree, but while Grant Morgan should be probably my my uh, my player of the year to this point for Arkansas, um, based on the fact that I am in the midst of this apology tour. Um, for me, though, the guy that. You know, so Grant Morgan's done a lot of things that were unexpected, which definitely makes him, you know, like you said, he, he the, the unexpected pieces of what we've gotten out of Grant Morgan is, is really amazing. And, and mm-hmm. so that makes what he's done really special. But for me, Jalen Catalan's the guy that gets yeah. that nod on the defensive side. This is a guy that came in with all kinds of hype. I mean, Chad Moore, best defensive player, best safety, whatever he said, best player he's ever recruited. You know, he comes in here, he, you know, he, he doesn't have a great year last year for multiple multiple reasons that we won't get into, but then comes into this year as a guy who I think a lot of people were looking at with that same idea of what's this guy going to do, and all he's done is, I mean, what's he, second in the in the league or third in the league in, in tackles, he's number one in the mm-hmm. league in solo tackles, uh, he's got an interception, he's got a forced fumble, he's got a fumble recovery, he's got a touchdown, I mean, the guy's just kind of done it all, and on top of that, he's brought that super physical piece coming downhill from the safety position. The hit he put on Elijah Moore on Saturday was awesome. You know, some of the other hits that he's put up. So he's just a guy that I really enjoy watching play. And on the defensive side, if to, for me, this is a guy that sets has set the tone in that defensive backfield to help guys like Hudson Clark just be able to walk out there and do their job. And so, you know, if for as, as, as much leadership as, as Morgan's been able to show and, and being a captain right there at linebacker, I love what Catalan's done on the backside of this defense as well. Yeah, I, I kind of thought that that's my, that might be who you went with. I know you were really high on him coming into the season and we're excited to watch him. And I, I don't judge you at all for that pick. I think he's equally deserving. 
Arkansas kind of has a, a history of having solid safeties, and he's he's really fitting into the mold of that already as, as a redshirt freshman. I mean, how did this guy not play last year? I mean, we've yeah. seen people last season talk about how he was making these same plays in practice, and I know Mike Woods even came out recently and said, we've seen him do this. He was doing this all last year. So it's just another one of those things that Chad and his staff loved up. I have no idea how they, they didn't get that guy into ball games last year. Would have helped them out. Uh, maybe thankfully they didn't and they might have helped them stick around. I don't know, but, but he's a phenomenal player and, and he's the sky's the limit for him. For sure. All right. So I'm going to jump around here on the, uh, on our outline for us. And I'm going to jump down here to just, we've talked about this a little bit, uh, but thoughts on the offense. Um, we haven't given grades yet. I'm gonna. I want to give grades after this, and obviously, us talking about it may reveal some of what our grades are. But right. um, your thoughts on the offense? I talked about this last night. What's the issue with the offense right now? What is what is what is the biggest thing holding this team back and holding Browse back from from that explosive offense that he wants? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if it's a simple answer or not. To me, it seems fairly simple, and I think it just all goes back to not being able to run the ball, not being able to establish the running game. And, and, and obviously I think some of that goes on the running backs as far as maybe missing holes here and there. But but the, the offensive line just has done a really poor job in run blocking, and we've seen that in the in the pro football focus grades that come out. They've, they've actually done a fairly decent job of pass protecting, but run blocking has been poor. And when you can't run the ball, I mean, the passing game's never going to reach its, its peak. And so, uh, yeah, like you said, I mean, I, I haven't always loved the play calling, but I think Browse has been a little bit limited in what he can do. I also think that, that, that a true dual-threat quarterback will really open up this offense. And then while Felipe can move around a little bit, I mean, we've seen he's actually slower than I thought he was uh, on some of the runs I've seen him lately. I think they tried to run him a little bit too much this past game. But if you get a guy like Malik Cornsby in there, I, I really think that that's when this offense is going to be humming. Um, but but just as far as what is the issue, I think it's just the fact they can't run the ball. The offensive line has run ball poorly, and they just need to try to, I guess, to use the horizontal quick passing game to, to make up for that if they're not able to get that going at any point during the season. So Andy and I talked about this last night. If you listened to that pod, you know, one, I appreciate you listening to us. And, and But, I, you know, to me, I think this has to do, number one, you're right, I'm, I'm with you, the running game, the lack of a running game, the lack of any consistency in the running game has really hurt Arkansas. And I think that boils all down, you said it, to the offensive line. This team just doesn't get any push. There's no push off no. this offensive line. And, and, I, and I think that's a strength thing. I, I think it's partially a talent thing. But I think it's more of just a strength and, and youth issue here where you've got guys that just, I mean, again, you know, uh, Chad Morrison, those guys wanted these guys slimmer. They wanted them smaller. They wanted them more athletic. Mm-hmm. They wanted to be able to move. Now, in basically a year's time, where you really can't spend a lot of time with them, they weren't truly able to be in the weight room and, and in those facilities a lot. To me, that's our biggest hurdle for this offense right now. And, and so, when we talk about you know the cutesy plays and the plays that we don't like and some of the different things that Bryles tries to put out there. You know, it's frustrating. I don't like it. But at the same time, I think this is a weird year in which you see a guy like Browse is really just trying to learn his team on the fly without having a lot of time to really put a game plan together, a full game plan, and and put the, you, you see what these guys can do in practice. So you're seeing kind of what these guys can do on the field on the fly. 
And unfortunately, it's bit us in the it bit us in the butt a few times when you think about, you know, the 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 cutesy double reverses and all that kind of stuff where you just don't have an offensive line that can hold up long enough for some of that. And I heard Sam Pittman say something very interesting after the game this after the Ole Miss game in which they were they were asking him about the running game, and he made the point. He said, see, yeah, we still got some struggles on the offensive line. He said, but, you know, I believe we are an offensive line that can run downhill. And I think that's very telling in terms of what we may see out of Arkansas going forward, especially, you know, immediately coming up with this A&M game here in a week and a half. I think that you're going to see Arkansas get into a more of a, and not all the time, but more of a downhill rushing attack, get away from some of this, you know, the misdirections and those kind of things until they feel comfortable with his offensive line. And so for me, I think the, the bye week comes at a great time. I think the offense gets mm-hmm. an opportunity to to really kind of fix some things. And 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 I think Pittman's going to kind of put a little more mark on what he wants out of this offensive line. And and, and so and I think I think Browse is the kind of offensive coordinator that can adjust to that. And 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 I hope this is what we see because I've said this before. One of the things that really excited me when Chad Morris was hired was the fact that he walked out there and he made the comment that I will fit my, you know, I will fit my pro or these players. I'll do what these players do best. I, you know, as a high school coach, I had to do this. You know, each year we had to change our, you know, what we were doing to fit the guy, the, the personnel we had. We never knew how to do that when he was at Arkansas. But <laughs> Still doesn't. Exactly. But you see a guy like Pittman, he's obviously proven that they know how to do that. And I believe, obviously, Browse knows how to do that as well. And so – and I think that's part of what we're seeing is he's trying to figure out exactly how this personnel fits into each little piece. And and when you don't have the proper practice time and the proper prep time because of what's been going on, we see offenses struggling. And and I don't and it's not just Arkansas. We've seen that with other programs as well. So for me, you know, the offense is concerning, but I'm not ready to 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 write off Bryles or or any of that. I just think that uh, the the offensive line's just got to get stronger. And I think that, you know, they've got to figure out a way to get a push. Yeah, I, I think those are all very, very accurate, valid points. And I don't want to go too in-depth with this because I know we're going to do grades and stuff. But I, I agree, and I think a lot of us are, are guilty of this, of not, not taking the context into consideration as far as, like you said, I mean, they have limited time with, this, with these guys. No spring ball. I mean, you can only do so much over a Zoom meeting. I know you can – talk a lot of football, but getting those actual physical reps is a whole other ball game. And, and, and I know that defense is more complex than see ball, get ball, hit ball, but it, it, it kind of is that way. It's a lot easier to set up a defense and to be effective as a defense than it is to set up an offense, especially like what Browse is wanting to do. So those intricacies are just going to continue to get more familiar and more comfortable with the offense as they go along. And like you said, I think we'll continue to see improvement as the season goes. But this may be something that it may take until next year until they really hit their stride. Yeah, for, and I agree with that. And you think about the – you made the point with the defense. I mean, and, and in some ways what Arkansas has been able to do defensively is actually really simple. I mean, you think about the Mississippi yeah, State. Yeah. I mean, it's drop eight, rush three, and you did a lot of those same principles against Ole Miss, keep everything in front of you. Yeah, those are simple principles. Then as long as your team is, is, is executing, then – you're, you're going to do well with it. And so, you know, I mean, and on the offensive side of the ball, it's more about, you know, you've got to have consistency, you've got to have rhythm, you know, and, and so those things, getting all of those things to work together, is just a little more difficult on the offensive side. So yeah. the yeah. next question that, that you had on here, is this defense sustainable and what kind of offense could give it trouble? And so 
while you can't say that they can rely on getting six interceptions every game <laughs> or, or seven total turnovers, even though they've, they've been able to, to show that they're ball hawks, I think that the sort of defense that they've showed and they've been playing does feel sustainable to me. I mean, Odom seems to be able to, to have a pretty incredible scheme tailored specifically for each each team that they've played every week. I mean, overall, the defense flies the ball, they keep things in front of them, and they make the tackle. I mean, that's that's pretty much the, the simple facts um, and factors on a defense. If you can get pressure, if you can make tackles, then you can limit explosive plays. I mean, you're automatically going to be a good defense. To me... I would see more of a, a more of a big, strong, physical team with an elite running game would probably give them a little bit more trouble. I know they struggled some in the second half against Georgia and gave up quite a few rushing yards to Auburn. So A&M has a really good offensive line and, and good running backs and a good running running game so far this year. I think that they're going to test them, but I think this defense is going to continue to have success against those more pass-heavy opponents where they can run a lot of zone. Keep the keep everything in front of them. Keep their eyes on the quarterback. But if they if they find a team that's really strong in the running game, that would be my biggest fear for for them. Just maybe getting getting run over. Uh, but they I think they've done a pretty good job against that as well. Yeah. So I do think this defense is sustainable. And my number one reason for why I think this defense is sustainable is because they have developed depth that we didn't know that they had. I mean, when you look at the defensive backfield and what they've been able to do, I mean, it's a true question of what they're going to do at corner against A&M when Buster Brown is healthy. You know, I mean, do you pull Hudson Clark off the field? Do you pull Jerry Jacobs, who hasn't quite played up to what you want him to? You know, so what do you do? And so when you start thinking about that in terms of what Arkansas has been in the past – you know, this team shows that they've got some depth. You know, you played a, a great offense in Ole Miss on Saturday, and you were down what many consider the best linebacker on the team in, in, in a guy like, as far as just pure talent, in a guy like Bumper Pool, and you don't seem to miss a beat at linebacker. And so, for me, yeah, that's, you know, I think that's why I think this defense is sustainable because you've seen the depth and it's going to wear on them as the year gets going. But, shoot, you're going to have guys that has missed a quarter of the season or almost half the season by the time we get through the A&M game here who are going to be healthy, you know. And so, you know, we should be extremely healthy going into that A&M game and going on, you know, as long as no one takes a, you know, a big injury between now or after that during the A&M game. You should have a pretty healthy team going forward. And so, you know, I mean, I, yeah, I think this I think this defense is 100% sustainable. As far as an offense that would give it trouble, you know, I'm with you. I think a, a, a team that could match them on a, phys, you know, on a physicality standpoint, which, you know, was a Georgia team that could do that. Um, yeah. You know, their offensive line could match up, you know, from a physicality standpoint. Their receivers were big enough and good enough. They had good enough running backs. You know, there's not a lot of teams out there this year that, that really concern no. me in that way. Alabama, obviously, is a yeah. team that, you know, they can do whatever <laughs> they, they can want. They can just do both. Yeah. yeah. And, and, so well. and you know how physical they're going to be. So, I mean, you know, Alabama's an offense that would scare me. Obviously, the Florida offense is extremely dynamic. But, again, you know, if, if you can play just minimal defense against them and we can get some offense going against what has been a bad defense for them, mm-hmm. then I think that's a game that you could you know, you know could definitely, you know, see Arkansas in and that the defense won't just completely collapse. Like I said, mm-hmm. on the schedule right now, yeah, A&M looks to maybe be a team that could give this defense some fits, but really Alabama's the only offense that really just – that really scares me. I mean, Ole Miss, if right. you had asked me before this week, Ole Miss's offense scared the crap out of me, and Arkansas made it look fairly <laughs> easy. I mean – so, 
right, let's get to grades. I'll, I'll, I'll jump into this. Offensive grades as well will start. And I'll start at the quarterback position. And while I give our quarterback, as, as, as I gave Felipe Franks the, the nod as the MVP on the offensive side of the ball so far this year, but I don't know that I can give the position more than about a B plus. As I look back at what some of, you know, you look back at the Georgia game uh, and really the Ole Miss game and some of the mistakes there that really cost us. And even in the Mississippi State game, while he did it, he didn't do anything to hurt us. He didn't do anything to really win the game. And so, but, but you know, from, from, from that perspective, I, at quarterback, I'm going to give a B plus. Yeah, I'm similar to you. I, I gave quarterback a B. Um, I mean, Arkansas is 34th in, in the country in passing offense, which is not bad. I mean, the passing game has obviously been the better part of that unit, um, but he has had some turnovers, a couple picks against Georgia, a couple of fumbles. I know he had the one against Ole Miss. Um, he still seems to be holding the ball a little bit too long. He needs to get rid of it, show a little bit better poise when there's pressure inside the pocket. But I can't complain too much about what Franks has done, so I- I'd give him a beat so far. All right, running back. Running back is a hard position for me to, to grade because I, how much of it is a running back, how much of it is offensive line. Um, I, I gave running back a C, um, and, and it, it could be worse if not for the emergence of, Tra- of Traylon Smith. Um, he's provided a spark for the offense. Um, but like I said, I think most of their struggles go back to the lack of run blocking on the offensive line. Arkansas is 72nd uh, out of 77 teams right now in, in rushing. Only 2.64 yards per carry. Um, I know that Rakeem Boyd was out for a couple of games, but I kind of feel for him. I mean, there's no way this season's going how he expected when he decided to come back. He's not helping his draft stock at all so far. Only 33 carries for 88 yards. Um, He had that big drop pass on the screen against Ole Miss that looked like he could have gone for six if he would have caught it. Um, So Smith has actually looked like a better running back than him, more durable, more versatile. Um, he's got 221 yards, 3.9 yards per carry, and he's the fourth leading receiver. So uh, not great, but not terrible thanks to Smith. So I, I gave him a C. Yeah, I'm, and I'm actually uh, in, in that same level as well. I'm going to give him a C. And actually, I'm, I'm kind of the same as you. It's almost like the, the I've, I've stolen your notes again. But, you know, <laughs> without Traylon Smith, I think this running this running back committee, committee is, is way lower. The running back room is way yeah. lower. Because, yeah. I mean, Boyd has just not shown up, whether it's injury or, or the offensive line or whatever it is. You know, Traylon Smith has done enough out of the rushing and the passing game to be, you know, to keep Arkansas – at least, or to keep defenses at least honest against Arkansas offensively and, and not just hold out for Franks to chuck the ball 60 times a game. So, you know, it, we, Traylon Smith being in there has actually at least helped some. So, for me, I give it a C. To the offensive line, I'm – so, the offensive line – see, these grades are so hard because – I know. I they, struggled with this one. They were an F across the board, it seems like, last year. You know, and so it's yeah. like you, yeah. you want to say – you know, I want to say – the offensive line gets a you know a D, and and then fans are going to be like, well you're well, you're not giving them any credit. Well, I am because they were so exceptionally bad before. Like I don't even think you could give them an F before. You could probably give them an incomplete. Like I don't. Like, you should have just <laughs> dropped the class is what you should have done over the last two years. So, I, I think I'm going to give them a C. I, I've I struggled with this because a D just sounds too low considering this team should be three and one, and even though the defense has carried it. We've done enough at times offensively. And there are times when you look and Felipe Frank seems to have three days to throw a pass. So, 
the offensive line at times has done well enough, but they just aren't strong enough. They, we've talked about it. They're not getting that leverage, not getting that push, and so the running game is suffering because of it. It's making our running backs look worse. And so, no, you know what? I'm going to stick with my grade. The offensive line right now gets a D. Yeah, I, I, when you said a C after you said what you said at the beginning, I was a little surprised. <laughs> I, I gave I gave him a D plus. I mean, I, it may be harsh. I don't know, but the saving grace for them has been flashes of good pass protection. But even that hasn't been necessarily great. I mean, they've given up 11 sacks through four games, which is tied for 54th in the country. Um, but they've given up some other pressures and hurries. They have given Frank time to throw on a, a number of occasions. But like we said, I mean, the run blocking has just been abysmal. I mean, there's been zero holes, zero lanes to run through, and zero push down the field whatsoever. I know they have a lot of young guys on the interior with, that are just now getting experience, and they've shuffled around some. I know Ty Clary's finally getting back in the mix at guard. They've switched out Gatlin and Wagner some. Uh, but arguably, I mean, they're the one thing that's holding the offense back. And because of that, I can't give them a solid grade. I saw in the running game, Arkansas has had no explosive long runs. I mean, they haven't had a single rush for over 20 yards this season. And, and I, I don't know for a fact, but I would say that they may be the only team in the country that has that stat. I mean, K.J. Jefferson has the longest run, and it was 19 yards. So I, I, I give the offensive line a D-plus. Luckily for them, they have two elite offensive line coaches on staff. Um, so I think just with development and recruiting, and I think that they'll continue to improve. But so far, uh, they're the weak link of, of the offense. All right, wide receiver. I'm going to let you start there. Uh, wide receiver is another unit that could be a lot worse. Um, if not for a couple of guys. I mean, I haven't been incredibly impressed with them either. I actually gave them a C plus. Um, maybe that's harsh. I don't know. but And that's mostly just because Traylon Burks and Davion Warren have, have helped them out a lot. Burks has 19 catches uh, for 249 yards and a couple touchdowns after not scoring once last year. Warren has had a couple of really big, big games. He's been their big play threat. He's averaging 21 yards a catch. And Mike Woods hasn't been bad either. He's got 14 catches. But but after that, I mean, you have Traylon Smith and two tight ends before you get to the next receiver, and that's Trey Knox with only four catches. And that's my biggest question is where in the world is – you know, you say where in the world is Carmen San Diego? Where in the world has Trey Knox been? I mean, he can't get open. He can't catch the ball. He dropped that, two, the, that huge two-point conversion against Auburn. Um, and I don't know where he's at mentally or physically, but he seems to have dropped some in the depth chart. The whole unit's kind of struggled to get separation. They've had some drops. They need to continue to get faster. And I think the recruits and the youth they have coming in, as long with as long with the the transfer Jaquelin Crawford, will help that. Um, but Bryles usually likes to have a number of wide receivers get in there, and that just hasn't been the case this year. So my grade for the wideouts is a C plus. So for me on the wideouts, I'm I'm actually at a B on the on the wideouts, and part of that is the struggles of the offensive line, and 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 I also don't know that I can give a unit with a trailing Burks in it anything less than a B. I just <laughs> that's, I mean that's fair. Yeah, when you think about like if you were you use the you know the the PlayStation or Xbox analogy earlier, but you know like if you look at a you know, you've got you know your wide receivers are like all 70 and 80 rated, and you got this guy's a 99. That's like how I feel about Arkansas's wide receiver crew right now. Is right. You, you can curve. You can grade on a little bit of curve there because this guy's just so much better. 
But and Davion Warren is a guy that stepped up and been really good, and that I've really liked watching. And and if I think if we had a little, you know, a little more consistency on offense, that you probably see him with a lot more, be I mean, even even bigger deep threat. You know, Mike Woods from a play calling perspective, I'd like to see them run more slants with Woods. I think it's his. I think he runs mm-hmm. that route extremely well. I think I think Woods runs literally every route extremely well. But I just. He's a guy that he's physical. He's not afraid to come across the middle, and, and I just I just like the way Mike Woods, like he I like the way he plays, and, and so yeah. you know you're right though. Trey Knox is the guy that's like you're the one holding this group back. I mean, you know, of course there's other issues that are holding it back, but Trey Knox was the guy that you know last year kind of blew up and, and was at least the guy that you could count on to get in the end zone. The guy's just disappeared, and and it's it's very disappointing because he's a guy that. You put those four guys together, that's special. And, I mean, mm-hmm. it, when they're playing at the top of their game, um, and then a guy that I'd really like to see, and I know it's he's a freshman and I know it's going to take time and, and, and maybe we won't see much this year, but it's a guy that Andy's high on as well as Darren Turner, um, a guy yeah. that I'd really like to see with his length and his athleticism and, and so, you know, at, at the wide receiver position. But, yeah, for me it's a B. Um, you know, I think it could, it could definitely be higher if Knox comes around. But, you know, the lack of separation and, and some of that's been a concern as well. So uh, we'll see how that continues to build. But for me that's a B. So we get to That's jump. Fair. We get to jump to the fun side of the ball now. We're going to the <laughs> defensive side, and I'm going to start with the. I guess I'll get this one. The defensive line. I'm going to give the defensive line an A, and this is not statistically based. This is nothing more than just my pure opinion of watching these guys play. We've so many times we've come into these games, at least you know the the Mississippi State game. In the in the Ole Miss game where we we went with the you know the rush three drop eight, and I thought the defensive line even though you're only blitzing three or bringing you know, maybe one extra guy from time to time, I thought this off or the defensive line has done a really good job of being able to get some penetration at times to wreak a little bit of havoc here and there and, and do what they need to do as a defensive line unit. Um, I thought they've played really, really well. You've seen some guys fall apart. And, and then when you think about the fact you're missing a Dorian Gerald, um, mm-hmm. you know, you were, um, you know, you've been missing a couple of other guys along that line. Julius Coates, you know, had his issues early in the season and then looked like an unstoppable presence against Ole Miss. So, you know, I've, you know, for me, there's been some up and downs, but I definitely, I give this defensive line unit an A. Yeah, they've been really solid. I, I didn't quite give them an A, but I gave them a B plus, which is as close as you can get to it at <laughs> that level. Uh, like you said, I mean, Odom's run a lot of three-man fronts, which honestly makes it more difficult for those guys to get pressure, but they've still somehow been able to do that. I mean, they're tied for 39th in, in, in sacks with nine sacks, have 22 tackles for loss. I think Jonathan Marshall has been really, really impressive and strong on the interior. Um, he's got 16 tackles. He's been destroying opposing centers and blowing up the backfield. It's kind of been a, a, a committee thing at defensive end with Zach Williams and Coates and Soley and Gregory and all those guys. And like you said, they've been missing Dorian Gerald. I think if they, have ha- if they had had Dorian Gerald this entire time, that probably would have bumped uh, their production and probably, I probably would have been giving them an A right now. Um, but, but maybe a lot of people don't think about this or realize this if they ha- don't didn't play football or aren't really into the game. But the defensive line goes a long way towards allowing the linebackers to make tackles. And so the defensive line takes up space and blockers uh, and keeps those linebackers clean and free to go to the ball and make those tackles. And obviously, judging by the amount of tackles we have in our linebackers unit, the defensive line is clearly doing an excellent job. 
Yeah, I agree. All right. Let's go to linebacker. You're up first. Okay. Yes. Seg- segwaying over two linebackers. <laughs> um, I-, I gave I gave the linebackers an A. I don't really know um, how how I would give them anything below that when you have two of the top three tacklers in the country and Morgan and Cool. Uh, they played a lot of just two linebacker looks, which which makes it even even more vulnerable out in space and in pass coverage. And they've been way better at that than I ever thought they could be. Like we said about Grant Morgan, we've raved about him continually, second in tackles, first in tackles per game. And, and we both thought they would be a liability in the passing game, and that honestly just hasn't been the case. They had a little bit of a down game against Auburn with some missed tackles. I think that uh, probably fatigue and, and the weather itself had some effect there. Um, but they've had to play guys like Hayden Henry and Andrew Parker and even Jackson Woodard, a walk-on, got in last game. It's just been a next-man-up mentality for them, and I think that they've been a really surprising, solid overall group. So I gave that unit an A. I literally have nothing I can add other than I'm sorry, I'm sorry, and I'm sorry. <laughs> it's an A++++ for me just because I feel so bad. Now, it's an A++ for sure. This this linebacking core has been a, uh, just unbelievable. Uh, yeah. For a shorthanded crew that we all have been all over and talked so badly about, um, I, I I was actually sitting here looking for an I'm sorry sounder that I could play, but I couldn't find <laughs> one fast enough. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I got nothing else on that. I mean, I'm yeah, it's an A, and it can be as high as you want it to be, really, because those linebackers have been really special so far this year. To the defensive backfield. So, again, I'm, I'm just going to keep riding the A train here. I'm probably going to give away what my defensive grade overall is going to be. But, um, yeah, I give this defensive backfield an A. And, I, I mean, where, where, I, you've got the stats in front of you. I, I should have done that. But how many interceptions are we up to now? What, like nine, something like that or more? Ten. Number Ten. one in the, in the NCAA. Yeah. Ten interceptions on the year. Uh, and, and just, I mean, a difference-making crew back there in the defensive backfield. You look at the things that Jalen Catalan's done. You know, Greg Brooks Jr.'s had a huge a big season already. Uh, you know, Jerry Jacobs is a guy that we really want to see more out of, but, um, you know, we haven't had to say his name a whole lot. Uh, you know, and so they've done enough. He's done enough um, to keep the other team at bay. And then, of course, you know, Hudson Clark, who I'm, I guarantee you this, you know, Sam Pittman had his comment and I thought the, the way that the SE or the, the Razorback media, social media people did that video was brilliant with the, you know, the, you know, who he is now at least three times. Oh yeah, that video. was hilarious. Yeah. Um, awesome. But I, I can promise you that literally anyone in Aurora, Colorado knows who Hudson Clark's name is. They may know him by HUD, but <laughs> I was screaming HUD and Hudson Clark a lot on Saturday from that hotel room. And uh, so I guarantee you people know who's his name in, in that area as well now. Or they, they, they know somebody named Hudson Clark, I can promise, or HUD uh, for sure. So, yeah, the, I, an A for me on defensive backs. Yeah, I, I, I gave the secondary an A+. Plus. I just – if there was one thing and, – and, and Pump the brakes here, but I, I might be giving Chad Morris a little bit of a compliment here. <laughs> I don't know why, but they recruited some defensive backs. I mean, we can say that. Um, like we said, they're, they're first in the country in, with 10 picks um, for 181 return yards and three touchdowns, and, and they're giving up 240 passing yards a game, but it's just really been the takeaways and, and the tackling that have made all the difference. A lot of times in the past, I know with Arkansas secondary, it would feel like they would never look back for the ball, but now it feels like everybody in the in the entire defensive backfield is a ball hawk. I mean, I know that playing zone is 
helped them a lot. It allowed them to keep their eyes on the quarterback. But like you said, with, with Catalan and, and, and Greg Brooks and, and Hudson Clark, and even Joe Boucher has quietly had 20 tackles and two picks on the year. Uh, I just That unit has a lot of talent and has a lot of young talent. And it's already really good. So I, I can't wait to see what they can be in the next year or two. Yeah, no doubt. All right, coaching grades. I'm going to start with the offense. And I, I feel like we've probably given these away a little bit. But uh, yeah. on, on the offensive side of the ball, you know, for me right now, I'm giving Kendall Browse and his offense a C. Yeah, that's, that's, well, we'll be quick with this. I gave them a C as well. I think he's had a lot of limitations. I think the jury's kind of still out on him somewhat, but he's working with a lot of limitations. I'm a little bit worried that Justin Stepp as a wide receiver coach is a great recruiter and an average coach. Maybe I'm totally wrong on that. Um, but I'd still like to see a lot more improvement on the offensive side. I think one more year of that, you know, you know he's going to recruit well, but I think if you don't see, and who knows, maybe a guy like Trey Knox decides to transfer. I hope not. Um, but I know yeah. we've got some big-time talent coming right now, at least guys that, that look like they're the part. You know, Of course, you've got Darren Turner and some other guys on campus. And so, you know, yeah, I think, you know, Justin Stepp's going to have to prove it as a, as a coach um, in the next, you know, by the end of next season, yeah. I think, or there's going to be some movement there potentially, at least maybe not moving him off of staff because he is such a quality recruiter, but, but maybe right. figure something else out for him to do. Um, you know what? I'm going to, okay, I'm going to leave these two for last. So let's go special teams. What's your grade on special teams? <laughs> special teams uh, maybe it's rude or harsh but i gave them an f so far i mean they've had block punts misalignments missed pats They're, they've lost the battle of field position constantly um gave up a, what i thought was going to be a pretty obvious fake punt the whole oh, miss God. last game i mean i think pretty much everyone called that um just kind of been an abject disaster all around and they really need to get it together Way too many issues for, for a unit that has a coordinator that's solely focused on it. So I, I gave them an F. Yeah. So I don't. I didn't even grade them. Um, I'm giving them that <laughs> that incomplete. Like they didn't even show up for the first semester. Right. Um, they just weren't here. And so um, hopefully this bye week, you know, maybe maybe Scott Fountain got the got the class intact, and they they're no longer Zoom classes. We're actually all together <laughs> having an actual class where he knows everyone's in attendance because it doesn't look like anyone's been in attendance for their meetings. Uh, and so yeah, um, to the defensive side of the ball. I mean, are we both in an agreement? It's like A plus 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 plus. Yeah, I mean, we can kind of talk until we're blue in the face on this one, but it's got to be arguably the quickest, most dramatic turnaround we've ever seen on a defense. So uh, I give him an A plus for sure. Pay the man. Don't let him go anywhere. Uh, hey, and, and whatever he wants, I'll, yes. I'll give him my salary if I need to, which right. isn't much, but anything helps. Yes. And then Sam Pittman. Where are you at on grade on Sam Pittman? This is a tough one. I mean, I could probably give him an A+. Plus. I gave him an A. I mean, I think what can you say else besides what the, what the job that he's done so far? I mean, Arkansas hadn't won a single SEC game in two years. They were the laughing stock of the conference. And now people are calling them the surprise team. We're getting airtime, like we said. I mean, he's made Razorback football something to be proud of again. And that's what he said he was going to do. And he's already done it. I think he's the perfect figurehead for the football program. He's blue collar. He's humble. He's funny. Um, he's just an underdog that produces and goes to work. And he may not have been the flashy hire or the most popular hire, but Dad Gummit, he's certainly the right hire so far. That's right. I give him an A plus because of everything you just said. But on top of that, he's able to get up there in, in with all of this notoriety and with all of the love that Arkansas is getting. 
he gets up there and he doesn't embarrass the state of Arkansas. He doesn't say something stupid. He doesn't yeah. say, you know, I mean, you know, you know, I mean, you you always expected Bobby Petrino to not really say something stupid, but you just knew he was going to be an ass. You know, I mean, you just knew yeah, Bobby yeah. would come off as just this big jerk. And so it was well, just – Well, Zilamo was like that too. I mean, he would always run his mouth and say something he shouldn't. Yeah, well, see, and the, the, the difference with Bielema, though, to me, was Bielema was just – his stuff just came off – he was very condescending, and he was like – like you would have yeah. thought Arkansas went twelve and zero. Like I mean, he yeah, was, I know. <laughs> it, it was just, dude, you won seven games. Chill out a little bit. But you know, <laughs> when he got in front of a mic, you were never. You were like, oh god, what's he gonna say? Like it's. Yeah. And then you had John L. Which that anyway. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, but I mean, the guys that have had success that have been able to get up in front of the media have just, they've not handled that success success well. They've said stupid stuff or you had a guy like Petrino just had no personality at all. And, and then, yeah. you know, and then you get Chad Morris who just sits up there and sells, you know, crap all day. So it's, <laughs> it's so refreshing to have a head coach that can get up there and, and you can tell why he's so relatable to the players. Like he relates to yeah. anyone and everyone he talks to. It doesn't matter if they're, uh, it doesn't matter if it's a 17-year-old a recruit, a 25-year-old fan, a 40-year-old, you know, media person, or the the 90-year-old booster. You know, it, it doesn't matter. He talks to him. He, you feel like you know this guy. And he's so down home. He's so personable. And, and it just – it's just so refreshing. It's just amazing to sit there and watch. And, and, and then the love that he gets afterwards. And, you know, watching him on Scott Van Pelt the other night talking about – you know, I'm just too stupid to come up with that kind of stuff. Like, it's just awesome. Like, <laughs> just yeah, I mean, I said this before, but I, I don't. I've never seen a football coach at this level be that humble. I mean, he he doesn't take one ounce of credit for anything that the team's done so far. Um, and, and like you said, just as far as relatability, I'll never forget when he did his very first interview on the Paul Feinbaum show after he was hired. And I know Feinbaum can kind of be a little bit condescending. And he really bashed the hire when it happened. He mm-hmm. didn't think it was a good hire. But it was just like you saw as that interview went on, his perception and, and, and what, the way he thought of Sam Pittman just totally changed. I mean, it was almost like he saw he saw an angel or a ghost or something. Like he, he just totally earned all of his respect from a simple like five-minute interview. It's just because he's totally 100% genuine in, in himself every single time. And, you, and everybody loves him. I mean, you can't help but love him, and, and you got to love having that guy lead your program. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so let's jump into this. I don't want to take a whole lot of time. We've gone a really long time uh, <laughs> yeah. for a pod that we weren't sure we were going to talk about. We've had plenty to talk about. So I'm going to make this – both of these both of these uh, segments are going to be kind of rapid fire. So I want, okay. I want us to give our adjusted season predictions for Arkansas. And all I'm going to do is just I'm going to name out the, the games as we go. Obviously, we'll pick these the weeks that we do the previews. And, and our, yeah. preview, our preview pick may change from what we're going to give right now. But I just yeah. kind of wanted to see where we stand that way. You, we, didn't really, we didn't give a full season record prediction, which would have been really interesting. We should have done that, but we didn't. But So I want to give that now. So Arkansas sits it officially – Officially two and two. We all know they're three and one. Right, they officially right. said it two and two. So I'm going to run through these real quick. Texas A and M. Lot. Okay. I, I'm going to go win. Tennessee. Oh, win. Win. Florida. Loss. Loss. LSU. Win. I got to win. Missouri. Win. I got to win. And Alabama. Loss. Loss. Okay. So that would put Arkansas at. 
I've got three, four, you, five. It would be five and five for me, six and four for you. Right. There you go. Um, but but I, I put they could go six and four <laughs> if they split either A&M or Florida. Um, I think that's possible, but I'll go five and five as of right now. Yeah, and so and, – and for me, just, you know, expanding on it more, and we'll talk about this obviously next week. But, um, you know, I just I, – as much as I was in love with this A&M team, you know, coming into the season and, and, you know, what I thought they would be, I'm – yeah, I know they're number seven, but – I don't feel like they've done anything overly <laughs> impressive to me other than they – I mean, they beat a, what we think is a good Florida Florida team. was a good win, yeah. Um, but other than that, I mean, what have they done to prove that they're the seventh best team in the country? So, sure, sure. they may beat us. I hate that game. I hate play. I just – that game drives me insane every time. Um, you know, I hate losing to A&M. But, yeah. So, I, I'm, I'm at six and four. You're at five and five. And uh, so, we'll see how that plays out. Because either one of those numbers would have been unheard of to start the season anyway. So, it doesn't even matter. Yeah, I probably would have said – Two and eight, maybe three and seven. If either, two and eight. If anyone would have said five and five or six and four, <laughs> I don't even think anyone would have listened to us ever again. They'd have been like, "Who are no. these morons? Like these people don't know nothing." <laughs> so maybe saying that anyway, I don't know. But um, <laughs> all right. So I did. I finally did it. I know I said I was going to do it two weeks ago, but I finally did it, and hopefully I got all these numbers right. I just did it on a point system based on our, on, on our picks um, from uh, so far on the season. So as of right now, through four weeks of the season, I gave us – we got a point if we won it. We didn't get a point if – obviously if we didn't. So I didn't go like right. against spread or anything like that. It was just strict, straight That's up picks. 18-18. <laughs> well, we're, we, our picks are usually very similar, so – that's our problem is we're too, too much on the same page. Yeah, so our only difference is after week one, um, we had the exact same – Week two, I took Arkansas and you took Mississippi State. So that gave me an advantage there. And then in week three, let's see, we were all the same in week three. We didn't have anything that we didn't either win or lose differently. But then this past week, uh, let's see, I took Arkansas, I took Ole Miss and you took Arkansas. And I took Georgia and you took Bama. Oh, yeah. So, and I took Auburn and you took South Carolina. Correct. Right? Yes, that's correct. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So that was our big differences that got us to 18 unless I can't count. So. That sounds right. Let's get, let me get the schedule back in front of me. I've been doing so many different things here with the computer. Let's see. He has quit dropping ads. There we go. I hate that. You go to click on something and then it like moves it because of the ad. The word. There we go. Okay, so a small slate this weekend. Only, what, four games it looks like. Um, yep. So, let's start. I don't want to start with that one. I don't ever start with that one. That just doesn't work out. Mm, let's start with, man, there's really not any great. I mean, there's some, yeah, the games are just, yeah. So, South Carolina at LSU. Let's just start there. Who you got? Okay. Uh, well, like we just mentioned a second ago, South Carolina, that pretty big win over Auburn. Uh, they have a solid offense. They have a really good cornerback. LSU's coming off a bye week, and, and uh, recent news coming out, they're not going to have Miles Brennan. Uh, so TJ Finley's going to start. But personally, I know we said this in the group chat, I probably would have picked LSU to lose even with Miles Brennan. I just don't trust them right now. I think that defense is terrible. Um, I think South Carolina gets a second upset win in a row over an SEC West opponent. I'm with you. Same. I don't have anything more to add to that. South Carolina, I like South Carolina over LSU in that game. Kentucky at Missouri. And I'll go first on this one. That's the 3 o'clock game on the SEC Network. I'm going to – 
Oh, I knew I said I'd know I wouldn't do this, but I'm going to go with Missouri in this game. <laughs> I think that this could be a sneaky game. I was kind of hoping you'd pick Missouri because um, I'm going to go with Kentucky just because <laughs> of their, their both lines and their defense. They had a really good defensive performance last week against Tennessee, um, and I think that'll be the difference in the game. But I think it could be a sneaky game. I think it's going to be interesting. Missouri's that team that I, you just don't know what you're going to get out of, out of every week. They you know, they were right. off last week because of the COVID situation. They come back this week. Kentucky's riding high after what they did to Tennessee last week. So, um, you know, sure, Kentucky, they're defensively, they're, they're pretty good and, and can do some things. But – I don't know why. I just I, I don't really have any reason other than the fact that I think I probably thought you were going to go Kentucky, so I wanted to mix things up a little bit. Um, I appreciate it because I can't ever. I just can't. I hate bringing myself to to pick Drinkowitz, but I, I, know. I like Missouri. All right, Alabama at Tennessee. I'm only doing this next to last because I don't think there's going to be any questions in our picks here. Yeah, I mean, uh, just as I thought that they would last week, I think Bama continued to show that they're the team to beat in the conference. Uh, they pulled away from Georgia. They're just they're a lead on offense, and they're good enough on defense for it not to matter. Um, I think that they beat Tennessee. Tennessee pretty much embarrassed themselves against Kentucky. Um, that winning streak they had was basically meaningless. I think that Bama wins and covers. Yeah, I, and me too. Alabama, I think, wins this game pretty easy. It's the 2.30 CBS game. I think CBS was really hoping that Tennessee wouldn't have, yeah. wouldn't have showed up yeah. like they have the last two weeks and at least make a top 25 matchup out of this. But, man, just – I don't. Was it you or Will? One of you said in the in the group chat, you know that uh, that uh, I think Georgia broke Tennessee, um, and and I don't disagree. Whoever, whichever one of y'all that was said that, but Tennessee just looks like I don't know, man. The three turnovers in a row, two pick sixes back to back. I just unless something yeah. drastic changes, I don't even see how this game's within twenty five points. I mean, I just think no, I'm me either. Away with this one. Okay. What could be the most entertaining game of the weekend, Auburn at Ole Miss? Yeah, I think it definitely is, especially in my personal opinion, the most intriguing game. Um, you have Auburn that's coming off that loss to South Carolina, um, and Bo Nix had that big sideline blow-up with Seth Williams and Chad Morris, and there's there's issues going on there. We could have all seen this coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're one of the least efficient and effective offenses in the SEC and definitely the worst that they've had since Malzahn's been there. Um, and then obviously everybody knows Ole Miss coming off the loss to Arkansas where, uh, I, where I said that, you know, they gave the ball away like prizes on the Ellen show. So I don't think that they're going to be doing that necessarily as much to that extent this week. I think that, that Lane Kiffin makes adjustments that he needs to. I just don't trust Auburn at all. I think that there's trouble on the planes and I think that Lane Kiffin gets, um, a win, even though they're Auburn's favored by three on the road. So, first off, Lane Kiffin is a good coach. I don't care what anybody says. You know, Lane Kiffin knows offense, and he is a good coach. And and, and Auburn has two coaches that aren't very good coaches and, and that can't <laughs> figure anything out. And I thought it was funny. I was reading, uh, I don't know, maybe it was AL.com. It was an Auburn, something, maybe it was on 24-7. Anyway, I don't remember I read it. But it was an interview with Malzahn, and he was talking about that blow-up that you mentioned, and he was like, we've just got to find more constructive ways to have those conversations. I'm like, are you serious right now? Like, why are you not taking your offensive coordinator and your quarterback and your wide receiver and wringing their butts right now? Like, this is unacceptable. You can't act like this on the sidelines. And it seems yeah. like every – look, I get it, competitive nature, man. You're, you want to go at it. You want to argue. Things happen. But when it's every week, every single week, I, I, I mean – 
I don't remember week one, but I'm pretty sure every week since then there's been some sort of yelling match yeah. between Nix and Morris as he comes off the field. And, and mm-hmm. it just keeps happening. And when you read the stuff coming out of Auburn, it sounds awfully familiar to what some of the stuff we've heard over the last couple of years at Arkansas. And it's just, I don't, I think this, I don't know what will happen because we've talked about that with the finances and everything right now. I think if Auburn really just implodes the rest of the season, I don't know how you can't get rid of those guys, but yeah, I don't think it gets any better for Auburn this week. And I think, <laughs> I think Lane Kiffin probably learned a few things. You know, we talked about the lack of putting Rice Plumley out there. I don't think Lane Kiffin's going to make that same mistake, especially in a game that he feels like his team should win at home. And, you know, I like Ole Miss in this game. I don't, I don't know if it's going to be a crazy, you know, or, or I, don't, I don't know that I'm picking Ole Miss to win this big, but I, I like Ole Miss right. to win this game. I, I, I like Ole Miss this week. Yeah, it's a battle of the transportation coaches, the lane train and the gut bus. <laughs> I think the lane train is going to prove to be a little quicker this week. <laughs> I think so, too. <laughs> That's going to be the better option. <laughs> if you're trying to get across the SEC country, the lane train's probably your better option this week. I don't know that I'd jump on that gus bus and it's four flat Morris tires. So, oh, man. All right, bud. Well, no Razorbacks to watch this week. We were talking about it before the pod. I'm looking forward to to relaxing a little bit. Um, you know, we've had a busy week with shows and pods. And make sure you guys catch us as tomorrow, the Natural State Sports Game of the Week is back. And we will be at Maumel High School again this week for the Whitehall Bulldogs and the, uh, and the Maumel Hornets. And uh, excited to get to see a couple of big-time prospects in that Maumel game again in Nico Davalier and Andrew Chamley on the offensive line. Oh, that's, and that's, I guess that's about it for us tonight, though. Other than that, uh, I want to thank our sponsors, uh, Heart of Grace Outdoors, and uh, make sure you go see them over on Facebook, at Heart of Grace Outdoors on Facebook. And uh, that's about all I got. Tyler, you got anything else for us tonight, man? Not really. We didn't, we didn't, not one second spared in this one. <laughs> I know we had a lot to talk about, even though it was a bye week, but everybody should get out. I think we're actually going to get some cooler wet weather this weekend, do some some fall related activities. I think I'm going to go to a pumpkin patch with my family, something fun like that, but no Razorbacks. There's still some football on, but glad that Arkansas is having a chance to, to get healthy and to get right and to get ready to break that streak against Texas A&M. Well, enjoy the pumpkin patch. I, I look forward to seeing <laughs> all of the pictures that I'm sure you guys will take of the little one. Uh, we Plenty. Did, we, we did our pumpkin patch uh, two weeks ago. So um, enjoy it. It's a lot of fun. Uh, before we get out, I want to make sure uh, prayers to the folks. Okay, so Colorado is like my second home. Like, I love going to Colorado. It's one of my favorites. Obviously, just went last weekend. But, man, they are being absolutely just – and I know a lot of the West is, but they are being hammered by fires right now. Mm. And, and one of my favorite places to go is Rocky Mountain National Park and up in the Estes Park area and, and Grand Lake, that little area there in central Colorado. And I read this morning that that entire area has basically been evacuated um, they've shut down wow. the park. Uh, they had another fire blow up over the over. It started late last week, and then exploded last night into just. It, they had to uh, evacuate several towns, and so prayers to those folks up there. Uh, beautiful country. Hate to see that happen. So uh, just hopefully they can get that. I think they're looking at some snow starting next week. So hopefully that'll help knock all that stuff down. So. Enjoy your football this week, and uh, no hogs, but. Uh, 
I'd say you could watch Arkansas State. I might get in trouble for saying this, but last I saw it wasn't looking good. And, uh, <laughs> but other than that, enjoy that SEC football. And until next week, woo pig.